Hi, everybody. This is Pete Worrell from Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Ever notice that some private enterprises successfully transition through evolutions and revolutions in leadership, management, even ownership? Some end up with terrific new majority owners, the entrepreneur-owner managers moving gracefully into the next interesting and rewarding chapter of their lives, surrounded by friends, their positive legacy assured, and their independence powered by the fortune they've just realized, while others, well, others' outcomes can look more like a train wreck. Is it merely luck, or is it more than luck? At Bigelow, we think it's more than luck. We can learn from the experiences of our peers. So in this series of podcasts, I interview seasoned, successful entrepreneur owner managers who are high performers, maybe even peak performers in their niche domains. We look for patterns of connectedness across those domains and we publish these candid, one-on-one, unedited interviews with some of the most high-performing entrepreneurs from both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors to learn from their experiences. So. As a private business owner, let me ask you, what's your best way of learning? Do you have to make every mistake or failure on your own as if you were the first one to ever encounter that challenge? Or can you learn from the experiences of others? Because if you can, that is a superpower which exponentially multiplies your learning, your achievement, and your positive legacy. Here, we hear the real life stories of other entrepreneurs, which helps us to look in the mirror and see a little of ourselves in there. Let's listen and learn. In the next few sections of the Positive Enterprise Value podcast, we're going to try a little experiment. I'm going to do a handful of very short, rapid-fire interviews with entrepreneur-owner managers about quarantine learnings. Why do this? Well, in the domains we work in, that is, in the entrepreneur economy, positive psychology, and behavioral finance. The future can't be predicted, right? It's not knowable, unlike, say, physics or astronomy, for instance. No one living has ever experienced a viral epidemic or a fear epidemic like the past 120 days. Each of us has had to modify our lives and the businesses we own really quickly in the past 120 days. I've been inspired and exhilarated by entrepreneur-owner-managers' grit and positive energy, in fact, their character, using this quarantine predicament to rethink or accelerate positive change in their approach to the marketplace and to enterprise value and positive legacy. Today, our quarantine questions rapid fire interview is with Joe Bogos. Joe is the CEO of Joseph's Bakery, a third generation baker of fresh pita, lavash, tortillas, wraps, pancakes, pizza dough, and flatbread. They serve the East Coast of the U.S. from their state-of-the-art 150,000-square-foot bakery north of Boston. Joe and I spoke on Wednesday, June 24th. Um, Actually, it was partially my conversation with you, which was just a casual conversation to check in like how you're doing, what's going on with the business during this quarantine. And, you know, mostly actually, what are you hearing from your markets? And what are you hearing from your customers mm-hmm. and hearing your story made me think, Oh darn, you know, I wish I'd had recorded that because it was such a uh, good learning piece mm-hmm. for other business owners. 
And so I would have recorded a, uh, an introduction to you before this, but I thought we'd just have a couple of a series of rapid-fire questions and you'd have rapid-fire answers. Is that all right? Sounds great to me. Let's do it. Okay. So, um, you know, Joe, one of the things that's happened, I think, during this quarantine is that it's exposed us to strengths and weaknesses that we and maybe our businesses uh, had. Some cases, it's accelerated some creativity or some business model changes. Um, can you just put like a stake in the ground? What's the status of Joseph's Bakery? How has the quarantine or the virus affected you? And kind of where are you now in 2020? Sure. Um, so been an interesting couple months here, right? Definitely been a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, I'll back up to really the first couple weeks of March when this started to hit. Um, I mean, we're in the food industry, right? So PPE is a, is a part of our everyday culture long before COVID-19 ever existed. So um, hairnets, hand washing, um, smocks, uh, everything basically outside of temperature checks were already part of our culture. Um, so we uh, were in a really good place before this started, um, but we're not unlike anybody else, we were, we were susceptible, um, just like a lot of other people out there, a lot of other businesses. So, um, we, uh, operated through the month of March. Um, we had records week over week sales. We were up 18% one week, 22% the next week, 26% the next week after that. Um, until we headed into the last month of March, um, where I had to make the hardest and easiest decision of my business career and decide to shut the bakery down for two weeks. Uh, we shut down from April 4th to the 19th after we found out that there was a, a small handful of employees that had tested positive for the virus, uh, brought in an outside cleaning crew, uh, crew um, did some deep cleaning throughout the entire facility. We're in about 160,000 square foot facility right now. Um, made the decision to pay all of our employees over those two weeks and um, really took that time to kind of reset and get some protective measure um, separation um, steps that were missing um, into the operation in ways that would protect people moving forward. So uh, came back stronger than ever the week of the 19th. Um, we took about three or four days to get back up to full three shifts in capacity, but uh, we, haven't, uh, we haven't looked back since. Uh, timing really worked out. We had a new processing line that just came on board uh, about 30 days before that. So uh, timing is really everything here. We've been nonstop in terms of trying to keep up with retail demand as the uh, erratic buying habits are, are kind of getting back to normal now. We're seeing less of people going to the grocery stores and buying three or four weeks worth of products at a time. Um, they're now uh, you know, buying kind of back into normal, normal patterns, so allowing us to control inventory a little bit better. So um, what went from a what could have been a catastrophic uh, event, I think really turned into a positive. And this was before really some of the bigger guys, the Smithfield Foods, the Tysons of the world started making um, headline news, uh, made the decision to, to do what I knew was right and, and you know abide by the moral uh, duty and obligation I have to protect our employees first and put their safety first and decide to, to shut down and uh, do what in my mind was right and uh, making sure that this company can kind of make it through on the other end of the pandemic. So, Joe, if I understand right, uh, you, unlike some other businesses that I've chatted with and actually that are going to be on podcast interviews, so it sounds like because of the nature of the product that you make and who your customer is, that the demand, the underlying demand was actually up for your product. Do I have that right? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, we went, um, we're an essential business, right? We make bread, we make food. So 
I, I very quickly went from, you know, someone's going to have to rip me out of here for us to shut down to realizing that that simply wasn't the case once we found out that a couple people had contracted the virus at such an early stage when um, a lot was unknown uh, about kind of how it was being spread and um, how it was being uh, contracted by different people. So yeah, demand, uh, we're very fortunate that demand continues to increase and, uh, the retail market is, is hotter than ever. So, um, the way the business is broken down, it's about 90% retail, 10% food service. So we were in a fortunate position that we, uh, have not been tremendously affected by the dip in food service, uh, sales, restaurants, everything like that. Um, and grocery stores just continue to soar. So it's that combined with our econ business has just been tremendous over the past couple months. So you like, unlike most other entrepreneur automators, you, you don't sound like you've worked from home very much at all. That you've been, you've had to be there providing leadership every day. That's correct. Yeah, the only time I've been home um, outside of Sundays has been those two weeks that we decided to shut down, and even that was kind of back and forth a little bit, making sure that um, the skeleton crews that we did have were here, still getting stuff done. Um, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting dynamic, right? So I've got a lot of friends who are in tech, a lot of friends uh, who are in different industries who have the ability to work home. But I mean, manufacturing takes presence, in my opinion. Um, and we have had different departments work from home, right? We still have some some marketing folks who are out. We've got some sales folks who are naturally on the road. Um, other people who are dealing with uh, childcare issues that we're um, making the best accommodations we can for. But um, yeah, we are 98% of our people are, are are and have been back in the office since April 19th. So if you think about your senior management team, the people you work with most closely every day, and you think about the quarantine that you've been through for the past 120 days, has the senior management team uh, had to adapt and adjust at all? And have they had any new learnings that you can point to pretty pretty easily? Absolutely. I mean, everybody at every uh, aspect of the business has had to adapt. Um, I will credit uh, our COO Chris Smith, uh, who really took the took the charge on this. Chris, from the early early uh, weeks of this entire pandemic, took this more seriously than, than anybody, and um, was demanding that we put protective measures in place for the safety of our employees um, well before um, we really knew what was what was going on here, and that that just paid dividends for us. Um, we have different ways of communicating now. So we don't have, you know, large group meetings anymore. Uh, we're, we're utilizing Zoom. We're utilizing Microsoft Teams. Um, I'm utilizing WhatsApp to communicate to our 300 plus employees um, almost on a daily basis. Uh, during the shutdown, I was I was sending out daily messages to people, keeping people updated in ways that I had never communicated with with people before in that nature. So um, it's it's been interesting, and we've we've definitely learned a lot. Um, and I think we've all learned a different management style with our own different teams and kind of how to, how to keep people uh, productive, engaged, um, but also making sure that uh, their best intentions are always something that we're looking out for as well. Do you think that uh, when the bell rings and things go back to normal, I know that isn't exactly going to happen, yeah, right. but when the bell rings, whatever that is, and whenever we go back to something that's more normal, do you think that there are some behaviors of yours or your management teams that are going to stick I do. Um, I mean, something as, as simple as handshakes, right? I mean, people don't shake hands anymore, I mean, whether it's a fist bump or an elbow bump or something. I know that sounds simplistic, but it's been an interesting way to, uh, to, to an interesting dynamic that's changed as we've kind of met new people and interviewed new people along this entire way. It's just that the physical connection kind of isn't there. Um, I, I, I turn to communication. I think that we are forced to communicate with people differently than what we have before. Um, again, virtual has definitely taken some, 
time to adapt to. It's really hard to read body language when you're talking to somebody over screen or somebody who may even have a mask on, right, in, in the same room. So you can't read facial expressions. It's tough to read body language. Um, but we're forcing ourselves to kind of, uh, again, communicate in ways that were, were different than before. Yeah, actually, when you mentioned how you were communicating, including using WhatsApp and everything, I thought to myself, I wonder if you could calibrate you could be communicating more frequently with your constituencies now than you were before all this. It's absolutely true. I a hundred percent am. I mean, we run three shifts here, 24 hours a day, six and a half days a week. So I very rarely speak to every single person on third shift. I, I try to get in here, you know, at least a handful of times a month to, to see people, to get some FaceTime, but um, my Spanish is spotty. So I, I have a hard time communicating with people face to face. Google Translate is a fantastic tool and one of the many out there where I can write a quick text to translate it and, and blast it out to people. And um, I'm, I'm having direct conversations with people that I just never had before. So it's it's been fantastic, to be honest. So as you think about uh, Joseph's Bakery, your business, your stockholders, your family, um, has the quarantine caused you to reflect on what the future of the business could be or what your role in it could be? Has the quarantine caused you to uh, increase your ambition for the business, decrease your ambition of the business? Just wondering if you've had those kinds of life thoughts because of this. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, we've, we are, without really getting into too much of the details, I mean, we, we are in the middle of what is, is really a three to four year kind of culture change around this place. Um, my brother, Steve, and I, uh, we're in a fortunate position to buy my grandfather's two partners out in 2017, um, spent about a year uh, surrounding ourselves with a, a team of just absolute experts. And um, this team has just helped us elevate um, not only expectations and accountability around this place, but add processes and add systems in ways that, you know, Joseph's Bakery as the old family company didn't have uh, just a matter of years ago. Um, seeing those in place now has been fantastic in times of crisis like this because people know what to do. People know who to go to, um, where to turn uh, for answers and, and where to turn when there aren't any answers, right? So how to, how to react in, in ways that we, we may have struggled with before. Um, looking forward though, yeah, there's, there's endless ambition. I mean, I'm, I'm 32 and don't have a ton of gray hair yet. So I've got, <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm full of piss and vinegar as my mom would say. Um, so we've got, we've got the sky is the limit. And I think that uh, the Joseph's brand has has been on a tear on a national basis on the retail side of things uh, for really the past three or four years, and we're we're seeing the runway is just endless at this point. Um, the whole retail dynamic has shifted, and we are uh, poised and capitalized to to take advantage of that uh, from the brick and mortar side, but again also on the on the ecom side as well. Just launched an, uh, a new website, um, whole new backend system that's making it uh, very easy for customers to find our products. Um, we've been on Amazon now for. Uh, going on about six months. So we're seeing e-com grow in ways that we had expected to, but fast forwarded uh, about a year from from what our uh, projections were. If uh, people are listening to Positive Enterprise Value Podcast and they want to go to your website, what's the website address? www.josephsbakery.com. Josephsbakery.com. So uh, very interesting what you just said about your future ambition. And would you say that the quarantine it may cause you and your senior team to allocate resources in the future more differently than you had heretofore thought you might. We have doubled down on our CapEx spending. 
Um, we have for 2020, that's 21. correct. Um, so brand new processing line, uh, up and running now was supposed to last us about four years. Uh, my brother, uh, in terms of our capacity, my brother is is essentially running our, our sales division now, and is a is unbelievable at what he does. He's a spitting image of of my uh, late father John, um, and you know I bust his chops all the time saying, "Okay, you, you got to fill this lineup." And now he's looking at me and saying, "Well, you got to build a new line because it's already filled right now." Um, so again, re- really good problems to have. Um, we're we're pushing product through faster and more efficiently than we ever have before. But as we look ahead. Yeah, in times when people are getting more conservative and, and, and kind of reeling back, we're doing just the opposite because we are, are, are seeing an opportunity here to continue to capitalize on the, the growth of the brand and the strength of the brand in the, in the retail sector. Yeah, the story you just told about you and your brother so resonates so well with two guys who are probably going to listen to this podcast, Terry and Gary, you know who you are. So um, when I talk to a lot of entrepreneur owner managers right now, Joe, uh, they've come through a you know, fairly stressful time. I mean, as, as business owners, we're accustomed to stress, but I think there's been this level of chronic background stress for the past 120 days for, for many of us. And some people are kind of fatigued. Some are not as healthy as they were. You look pretty fit, rested, and happy. What are, what are, you, what are you doing different about your own self-care routine? Are you working out more? Are you being careful about nutrition? Are you being careful about sleep? What are you doing? Yep. So uh, I get outside as much as I possibly can, and it's still not enough. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate to live in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You know that we're almost neighbors. Um, so I am, I'm outside, you know, hiking with my two young boys and my beautiful wife as, as much as I possibly can. Um, I try to get on that Peloton that my wife loves as much as I can, but can't quite find the, uh, the time that I need during the day. Uh, diet to me is huge. Um, so making sure that, yeah, I, we just happen to make a, a low carb, low calorie bread, but I, I tend to focus on a, a, a low carb diet anyways, um, tend to limit alcohol, um, especially during the week. Cause it just it doesn't allow me to be as sharp as I need to, uh, when I'm in the office and I've actually, I picked up, uh, meditation. Um, really a big fan of the 10% happier app that, uh, Dan Brown has out there. And I think it's, it took a while for me to really see what the benefits of it could really be. Um, but I had a really good friend tell me, look, I mean, I'm, uh, a brain is your brain is just like your muscle. You need to train it just like any other part of your body. So, I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but uh, it's been really interesting to see um, kind of the different, you know, awareness exercises that have, have helped during all this. That's fantastic. Second to the last question. So you've been thinking a lot during this time. It sounds like you guys have had to turn up the volume in a lot of ways on the business. But looking back now during the quarantine, is there one experience that you is there experience during the quarantine taught you that there's like one skill that you wish you had? I wish I could speak Spanish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But but communication resonates during these podcasts quite a lot. People during this uh, quarantine time have said they've probably communicated more and more and listened more and more. So your point about Spanish is, is well taken. I can, I can understand just about everything. I have a hard time getting it from my brain to my mouth. Um, and I don't know if that's the self-confidence aspect of maybe sounding a little foolish in front of people. Um, but being able to have, I'll say mask to mask conversations with people today could be, I think a lot more effective than having to say, hold on, hold on. Let me look at my phone. Let me type something up. Let me translate it to you quickly. And then kind of have the conversation from there, especially in an environment where look, we're, we're manufacturing, right? There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that are constantly, um, 
just happening around us. So it's a fast paced, high growth environment. So we need to communicate quickly to be able to talk to someone directly on the spot. Um, yeah, would, would be a, a skill that I uh, wish I could achieve. Okay. Last question is if there's a piece of advice that you could give to entrepreneurs listening to this podcast that you've learned about during the quarantine, what would it be? Trust your gut, trust your instinct. Um, I shut the bakery down for two weeks at a point when we were having record sales. From a business perspective, it doesn't make any sense uh, from a financial standpoint, from a uh, moral, ethical uh, obligation of protecting our people, our most important asset, it made all the sense in the world. So uh, doing what's right by the people that come to work and, and bust their butts for you every single day um, has gone a long way, will continue to go a long way, and um, has helped with the already amazing loyalty that we have throughout our entire workforce. Fabulous. Joe Bogos, trust your gut. Have a great time down Thanks, east. Sir. Thank you so much for being so generous with me. With I appreciate time. it. Great to talk to you, Peter. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm Bigelow to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is bigelowllc.com.